Scripture this morning is found in uh, Matthew 13, verse 34. Matthew 13, verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. All true Christians want and plan to one day soon enter into that heaven above and walk through the gates of the new Jerusalem. What a day that will be. The question immediately comes to us, what is the condition that determines if I will be in that new Jerusalem? That day we will see Jesus face to face and walk with him and talk with him as did the disciples. Can you imagine this? You will see the face of God the Father, no opaque glass between, face to face. We will be known even as also we are known, says the Bible. It seems too good to be true, but it is true. There are many promises in the Bible to encourage us along the way, but there are two that are so precious. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts 1.11 Now I believe the Lord has humor. Um, it's, nothing, it's nothing for the angels to go up and to the throne of God and back to earth. It's nothing. It's just standard fare for them, but for human beings. And the angels asked these disciples, and by the way, there were 500 people out there, according to the book of Acts, that witnessed this event, um, asking the disciples, what's wrong with you? Why are you gazing up into heaven? What, what, what's, so, what's so great about this? <laughs> That's got to be some humor from God there. I, I, just, I just have to say that. Um, Neither is there salvation in any other, says Acts 4.12, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Those two texts, there we have it, most precious promises we could ever hear. When Jesus was on earth, he certainly could have had great theological discussions and debates. After all, he created everything with the breath of his mouth, according to David. He was all-powerful, all-knowledge, all-everything. But he came to earth and he told parables. Parables. He told stories. Stories amazingly simple, yet so profound. It had been foretold centuries before in Psalm 78.2 where it says, I will speak to you in a parable. Then in Matthew we find a heart-stopping verse. It goes like this. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Did you hear that? I will speak to them in parables and other things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. 
These simple stories that Jesus told hold secrets of salvation that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. This is absolutely amazing to me. Jesus would use words like these, He who has an ear, let him hear. One day the disciples came to him and said, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Jesus answered, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Because they seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Matthew 13, 13. The parables we review today are largely taken from Matthew and Luke. So I invite you to go there today, to that grassy hillside in front of Jesus, and let's listen in on what he is saying. Let's remember his words are giving mysteries that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. These are mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus often used the words to open a parable with these amazing words. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The Bible says the multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. I was amazed as I reviewed this subject. The word multitude came up over and over and over again. We need to remember that as Jesus went about Galilee and Nazareth, Judea, multitudes followed him. Wherever he was speaking, multitudes gathered. The word multitude means a large number. It's a big gathering. And that's what Jesus was confronted with every hour that he was out there speaking and so we begin. Today we're going to largely focus on the words of Jesus with a very few comments from the one, the one standing here. So the kingdom of heaven is something like this. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said unto him, The kingdom of heaven, a certain man, made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. They all, with one consent, began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground that I must go see it, and I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Well, let's analyze this right here for just a moment. Who's going to buy a piece of land that you don't go look at ahead of time? What wife, newly married, wouldn't want to go to a banquet? Who would buy a yoke of oxen without going checking them out first? And another said, I've married a wife, and I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord all these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, even as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. 
and my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. How sad. You will notice as we go through the parables, there will be certain themes that will come up over and over again. There's the thread that goes through all the parables. At the end, we'll see if we can find out what some of those threads are. And another parable he put forth unto them, saying, here we have the phrase again, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it the tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both of them grow until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth a good seed is the Son of Man. Jesus himself. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. And the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. We go on. Again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the, that which when a man hath found he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now what all does that mean? Does that mean once you understand and learn about the gospel of Jesus, that it's the most precious thing to you that you've ever known, that you've ever known of, that you, you can't, you just can't stand it. You've got to share this truth with other people. Then he said again that what rep these parables come in rapid fire order in some of these in some of these chapters. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchantman seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and bought it. The gospel is so should be so precious to us that we hold it in reverence above all other things. What are we told? What does it profit a man? If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered and the good into vessels, but the bad they cast away. 
So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? And the disciples said, Yea, Lord. And he was come into his own country. He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. And um, then we have another one, very interesting. And the kingdom of heaven is something like this. And beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought of himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast many goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is a mighty, mighty parable, my friends. A mighty parable. One of the mountaintop parables. We then have a certain lawyer that stood up and tempted him and went on with a discussion about how does he inherit eternal life. And he was there to tempt Jesus to trick him, to trap him. And in that interview, Jesus answered by giving what? A parable. And the kingdom of heaven is like a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, but passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and where, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. We need to remember why Jesus gave this parable. In that, in that society, the Jews and the Samaritans were always at odds with each other. They hated each other went way back to the division of the kingdom of Judah and Israel, way back in the Old Testament. What's that? Where's that parable? It's in Luke. It's Luke 10. And it starts with verse 30. And the, the Samaritan and the Jews hated each other, and they and the Jews would not even go through Samaria. If they were on a journey to go to Jerusalem, they wouldn't go through Samaria. 
And they, if, if, if they knew that a Samaritan had drank out of a cup, they wouldn't even touch the cup because it would be contaminated. That was the setting for this parable. And so Jesus had this pointed parable, a pinnacle parable. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. The Samaritan had no regard for the nationality of that man in the ditch. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And the lawyer had to say, He that showed mercy upon him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. We come next to Luke 15, verse 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Oh, yes, he did. That's what he came to the earth to do. But the Pharisees knew it not. So they murmured and said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth his friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. What can we say? We've been told by inspired writer that Jesus would have died on the cross for one soul, one sinner on this earth. These parables point that out, I think, very vividly. Parable after parable after story after story. The woman that has ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligence till, till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. For I found the peace which I have lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. Just one sinner that repenteth. Just think of that, my friends. One lowly sinner. One sinner. The angels rejoice. They burst into rapturous song in the heavens above. Around the throne of God over one person. Just one person that is taken from the clutches of Satan. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Here we have another one of those mountaintop parables, stories of Jesus. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank, thank thee that I am not as other men, are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. 
at that point he was pulling out the little card from his his coat and says, Lord, you see, I've got I've got quite a bit of stuff here you need to look at here, you see, Lord. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess. You know, Lord, I pay tithe on the gross, not the net, you see, Lord. I'm I'm uh, kind of special. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up as much as his eyes unto heaven. Wouldn't even look up to heaven. But smote upon his breast saying, God, oh God, be merciful to me a sinner. You know, that's what Jesus is looking for in us, I think. For us to fall down before him and saying, oh Lord, be merciful to me a sinner. Then Jesus went on, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Inspired commentary tells us that those that have been the greatest sinners will one day. Stand closest to the throne of God. Well, we come to Matthew 25. Here we have those friendly words again. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. You know, it's interesting. From the outside, they all looked the same. They all looked the same. There was no difference as far as any human eye or mind could tell. They're all the same. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. No oil. The lamps and the oil, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and what had been implanted in their minds before the crisis or before the event. And the wise took the oil in their vessels and with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so. You see, the key point is you can't transfer what you've embedded in your mind and really put it in somebody else's mind. You can't do it. You have to do it individually. It's non-transferable. You can share, but you can't transfer the deep things of God that you have implanted in your mind. The wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us, and you go. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. But you see, it's too late now. The bridegroom is coming. It's too late. It's too late to have a prayer meeting. It's too late to have a Bible study. It's too late to open your Bible. It's too late. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came out the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. You know, this is like the ark 
In Genesis 6, the ark. Jesus, the door of that ark represented Jesus. When that door was shut, it was all over. Even though it was seven days before the rains came, it was all over. It was too late. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. It speaks for itself, does it not? We have the story of the talents in Matthew 25. The Lord in the parable gave ten talents to one, five to another, two to another. And in the end, five, two, and one, I'm sorry. Five, two, and one. In the end, the one that had the five made it into ten. He shared his faith with everybody he saw. This is what the parable tells us. He was sharing his faith everywhere. And he, 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 he did something for the kingdom of God. The glory was all to God. The one that had two talents doubled them. The one that had one hid it in the ground. Hid it in the ground. Didn't share with anybody. Amazing. He was afraid, it says. I was afraid and I went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there and here, Lord, is your talent that you gave me. There was no return. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger, says the parable, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Metaphor for meaning giving the gospel to everybody you meet. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Then we have these awful words. It reminds you of Matthew 25 and 26. The sheep and the goats. The parable of the sheep and the goats. Where Jesus has to tell those people, the goats. He says, I never knew you. All the things you did, I never knew you. I never knew you. Oh, to God that none of us ever hear those words. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where, shall be, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But it's too late. It's too late. So we come to one final parable. Jesus must have thought that this type of parable was very important because he gave the same essence of this parable twice in his day. He may have given it 15 times. Remember the last, remember the last verse in the book of John? If everything Jesus did would have been written, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So I, I suspect that Jesus gave this parable in various ways many, many times. We have at least two of them recorded. And Jesus answered and spake to them again, guess what? By a story, by a parable. And he said, the kingdom of heaven, here's those words again, is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. And he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come into the marriage. You see, this is the gospel. Reminds us of Revelation 19.1. Light that's lighting the whole world right now with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because his coming is near. 
the trumpets almost sounding. When I was a child and a young person, I remember seeing these covers of these signs of the times and reviews and so on. And the clock, the clock was two minutes to 12 and sermons were preached, two minutes to 12, two minutes to 12. Here I am a few years later and it's still two minutes to 12. Perhaps it's one minute to 12 now, I don't know. But it's getting close. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. And he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I've prepared my dinner. They, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. There's a reference to Jesus Christ and what his Jewish nation did to him on the cross. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. The food's getting cold. Let's get the wedding going here. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And when he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. I'm reminded of the inspired writing that says, The robe of Christ's righteousness has not one thread, not one thread, of human devising. You mean, Lord, I, I can't have a little little centimeter of human thread? Just, Lord, I, I... No, Dean, no. Not even a thread of human devising. And then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we are told Jesus spoke not unto them unless he spoke by parables. He told stories. The creator of the universe who could do anything and had done everything, controlled all the universe, controlled all the worlds. And he came to this earth and he told stories. You know, that really impresses me. Because it means that even I then can understand salvation as far as my intellect will allow me. Even I can understand. So I think we have some themes that we've picked up as we've woven through these parables. There's many more parables we don't have time for this morning, but those are some high points. We see the theme of the great controversy, certainly. The forces of evil, the forces of good. We see the cross of Calvary through these parables. We see the judgment coming through over and over again. But whenever we think of the judgment, let us remind ourselves in the same mini-second, yes, the same mini-second, the verse in John 5:24. we can go beforehand to judgment. We do not have to be afraid of the judgment. 
we go beforehand, and Jesus is our advocate. Jesus stands there in our place. Oh, what a beautiful thought. These parables show us how we're saved. How is a person saved? These parables give us an answer. We accept the grace of God and his salvation. Then we share that truth with somebody else. And we do it over and over again. Not to gain heaven, because we're so thankful for what the Lord has done for me. And that's the secret. No more discussion of faith and works. No, get out of here. No more of that. It's not necessary. We accept the grace given. We share the grace. And the more we share it, the more we're given. It's real simple. And then the parables tell us how then we enter into the new Jerusalem and see the face of God. And walk with Jesus our Savior side by side. Yeah. And go over. And go over to the tree of life. And then we hear the words of Revelation 19. Revelation 19. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Come, my redeemed, come, for the supper is ready. Loving Jesus, we thank you today that you came here to save us. Lord, with all the tumult and crisis and problems and tribulations, discouragements that we have in our lives, coming from your throne of glory right now as a beam of your salvation, Oh, Lord, help us to grab onto that. Help us to hold onto it with the tightest hold we've ever had as the earth comes apart all around us. Lord, help us to look to the future when you will come in the clouds. Oh, Lord, we long to see you. We long to see you. Amen and amen.